0: does it mean to baptize not rhetorical it's a rhetorical question i have we are all this, this john and julie got us the staff mugs the heritage church cups and everybody has the little cute things on there and mine says it's rhetorical yeah. uh, what does it mean to baptize uh, let's talk about it to baptize it's a it's a it's an imported word in the new testament you you really won't find it much used uh in the old testament um but it is an imported word they the uh the audience there the, in second temple judaism first century uh second temple first century same thing but all in that period they would have uh understood baptism because it was practiced as an initiatory rite for especially for especially not only for but especially for certain sects of Judaism like uh the Qumran community. Can I have one of those? Is that for me? Let's or, 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 oh you want here. You can have that. I got one here. You want that back? I sh- I already took a drink. We good? Okay. Well, sorry. Ooh, sorry, Simbi. Uh so it, it would have been practiced by certain of them and they would have understood what it meant. They it, that's why you don't When you read the Gospels in the book of Acts, it doesn't stop and give a long explanation of baptism because the the, the immediate community would have understood, oh, we know what that means. So it's one thing for us to look at the dictionary definition of baptism, and we'll do that. But you need to understand the word in the historical context to get the significance of how it's used and how we use it tonight. So, yeah, to baptize, it simply means to plunge or to immerse. Or to sink, or to wash, or to be fully—really, to be fully whelmed. It's a word that was used even to describe what happened to a ship if it sank at sea. It—it was a—it was baptismo. Down it went. Okay, to immerse. It's to be fully. The idea was it was to be fully whelmed by water. But that's that's independent of I'll say a religious context. Can I say the word religious without everybody going, hey, religion, that's bad, okay? No, it's not, okay? Uh, in a religious context, re- baptism was, yes, it was an act that happened in water where you were whelmed, where you were submerged, and it was a rite, R-I-T-E. It was a rite. It was, a right. it was a, an event that signaled a change in your life that you, used to be, that you used to live this way, but now you're going to live this way, specifically because uh, these, these waters signified your entrance into a community. You entered into something. You used to be something else and belong to something else. You passed through this, and now this new community says, Yes, you're one of us, and you're going to live like it. They understood that. That's what baptism was. That's what. John the Baptist probably came out of, of the Essene community a little bit, and he practiced this. and These and Jewish people had been coming to John the Baptist and going through waters of baptism in anticipation of Messiah in rejection, in repentance of old kinds of sin and sinful ways. And when they had their failings at Yahwehism, this was not a brand new thing. So when the New Testament talks about baptism, yes, it's talking about an actual. Real experience that someone has in water that is that that fully whelms them, they are fully affected. Nobody had to guess whether or not they were baptized because they used to be dry and now they're very wet. And it wasn't, and they understood this that it wasn't just getting wet, it required the wet. But that, that water represented a change in their life. It, it signified that, that what their old life had, something about them had died and that they had come to something new. And remember that they were now a part of a new community. There was something special that just had happened to them. So the Bible, with the New Testament, comes along and begins to talk about baptism. The New Testament presents water baptism as an expression of repentance from sin and acceptance of, the, of cleansing. And we'll talk about it a little bit more. It actually is even more than that. It identifies with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to, just before, when we come back, when we lean toward the tank, we'll talk a little bit more about it. But they understood that, that water baptism, they, that that was something that happened to them and that it was an act of repentance and it was a transition that was a real experience. Couldn't you just say that with me? It was a real experience. It was a real experience that they, they understood that they were going to be, that, they were, that there was a, a, you might say, a life-giving substance that would wash over them. And then coming through that life-giving substance that would wash over them, they would no longer be who they used to be, that they were, that was different, and that they were a part of something, that they had, they had been brought into something, a community of sorts. All right. So that's important. Then, with that as the backdrop, that kind of common understanding of water baptism that John the Baptist introduces. There also comes a comparison to water baptism. Something new. Would you all try to say something new? Just say it out loud. Something new. Something new. There's a water baptism now becomes not only a real thing all by itself, but in the New Testament, and right away, not later on, but right away, before people even mm, technically, is it right? What word do I want there? Before they, people formally, there we go, before people formally recognize or see Jesus of Nazareth, he is introduced, he is warned about, he's coming, he's coming, and what and it's, he's, and, and it's John the Baptist's role to be the, to be the, the warner, the, the, the person who says, Jesus is coming, there's somebody else coming, and John introduces him in a very specific way in all the gospels we're going to stay in luke because we're going to go into acts we're going to let one author speak to us tonight it's just a little easier what you'll also find what we're about to see in mark as well in mark 1 8 if you if you're making notes or thinking or putting things on your phone but in luke three sixteen, by the way have i ever told you that that you can go through the new testament and find all the 316s. almost all of them are amazing just for fun okay but uh i mean all the Bible's great so you can't really miss but but they're all pretty cool. so here's Luke three sixteen. John answered and said to them all, okay, so I think you know this, but if in case you don't, let's just verse fifteen actually gives us the context. Now, while the people were in a state of expectation, oh, you can't beat that, by the way, there was a wild state of expectation. I do not have time to talk about the the the, the generations of expectation that the, the, the water was at a boiling point of expectation at the time of Jesus. It all has to do with the Jewish writings and the stuff in the pseudepigrapha. They were expecting him to come, and they knew who they were looking for. But John started acting like the guy maybe they were looking for. So verse 15 says, now while the people were in a state of expectation and all were wondering in their hearts about John as to whether he was the Christ, John answered in 16 and said to them all, As for me, I baptize you with water. But, so now there is a a, a conjunction of comparison. Okay? I baptize you with water, that's real. That's a real experience. You understand it. Everybody's nodding their head and the, uh, with their with Oh yeah, we live in the water. Mm-hmm. Okay, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I. The first thing that Je- the first distinguishing aspect about Jesus that separates him from anybody come before him is the fact that he's powerful. He's the mighty one. He is mightier than I. And I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. That's a euphemism for just saying I'm not worthy, right? He's amazing. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, Luke says "And when the Holy Spirit and fire, Mark just says the Holy Spirit. Luke has a point there. That's not necessarily our point tonight. The point that we want to see is this, that right away before anybody formally Shook hands with Jesus. high five Jesus. Knew who he was. John the Baptist introduced Jesus as coming. And the way that he was introduced was in comparison to what John was doing. This is really important because we need to understand the significance of Jesus the, Baptist, the, the Jesus the baptizer and what he has for us. And how important it is for the believer. Everybody said yes. So John said, hey, they said, are you the Christ? And he said, no. Here's how you're going to know the difference. I Take you and plunge you under real water, and there's a substance that washes over you, and you come out, and it's by your own free will. You surrender to it. You know it happens. It's not not an imagination. You're not working anything up. It's not just emotionalism. It's a real thing. And I do that, and I I submerge you for, it and there's and that and, there, and you recognize that that represents a change in your life, but it it's kind of external. It's a, it represents an an internal commitment, but what happens to you is an external thing. He said, but there's someone coming, and what's going to distinguish him from me is that he's also going to baptize you. He's also going to take you and he's also going to submerge you into and below and have you and have a life-giving substance wash over you. But it's not just going to wash over you. It's going to saturate the entirety of your being. Now, Luke doesn't tell us that yet, but we'll understand it more as the scriptures come along. That he's going to do what I do, only he's not going to use water. He's going to use a different substance. The experience will be similar. The substance will be entirely different. The experience will be similar. The substance will be different. And the result will be different. And that's how Jesus is introduced. Later on, after Jesus' life and ministry, his death and his resurrection, we go to the book of Acts chapter 1. We're still in the author, we haven't changed authors yet, so we'll follow Luke, we'll go to his second volume there in chapter 1. And now Jesus is talking, Luke is recording uh, Jesus speaking with his followers, just before he is to ascend. Now let's see, where should I begin? Oh, well let's just start at the beginning not that long. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach up until the day he was taken up to heaven. Okay, there it is. Side note, babe, that's when I retire. That's it. If that's when he quit, that's when I quit. Okay. Uh, All that he began to do and to teach until the day he left. Glory. There it is. I got Bible for it. Okay. Uh, uh, Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. Oh, I like that he gave orders. Don't you? I like that. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. Don't miss things that are just that seem like they're not important. If you want to circle that, those three words, I'm not sure what uh, your how your translation uses that. But look at the New American. Is it okay if we kind of do a little Bible study in the meantime here? Look here. Verse four, gathering them together. Here is the repeated antecedent for spiritual encounter in the book of Acts. It's not I'm not saying it's a it's a it's a leverage or a cause, but it is the consistent antecedent that. The spirit comes upon groups of people. Yeah, he does touch individuals. That's more of an anomaly, because he doesn't want anybody left out. But the most consistent pattern that, should, that we should set up in terms of what, what we could, would consider normative and how we should, how we should arrange our expectometer is that when we are gathered together, we should recognize that every time we are gathered together as a community, it is an opportunity for us to together share in a refreshing outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It is part of this. All right, so here we go again. Gathering them together. He connected to that commandment of being together is this next phrase. Gathering them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. Can we stop there? Is it okay? I'm going to anyway. But I'm just trying to be polite. Okay. We need to understand that everything we receive from God is a result of promise. They were to wait for the promise. Can we all say it out loud? Wait for the promise. What the, the, and we're, it's not a mystery. We know because we've kind of been past this. We know we're talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But he is a result of God's promise. He is not the reward of your performance. This is, this is exceedingly important for, I don't know, perhaps just North Americans, but I think all around the world there's a consistent. When people have reluctancies to open themselves up to, to, to fresh infillings or workings of the Spirit, usually it has to do with at least one or two things. A, they, sometimes they just don't believe it's for them, and so they'll just be really reluctant or scared, and that's, that's another thing. A lot of times, people just don't feel like they have earned it. And I, I, I guess for me, I was fortunate enough to be introduced to this promise as a child, so I wasn't, I, I don't know how else to say it, wasn't dumb enough to think that I could earn something from God. I was used to just getting free stuff, <laughs> right? I was the youngest. But, uh, but uh, this is a result of the promise. Everything comes, and I, I don't know if I can if I can s- just say it enough times or try to illustrate it or persuade us as a people, but to understand that everything is a, is a result or springs from the promise of God, everything. It's not a reward for performance. He will, there's a whole other thing about God, you know, evaluating our works and he wants to reward us and all of that. But even that is, we, is because he's promised to do it. I mean, it's, you just can't get away from the fact that we are always responding to the promise of God. We are always responding to the promise of God. He is, the, he is always the initiator. It's, everything is his idea. It, he's the initiator. It's his idea. I know Pentecostals, oftentimes we, just fought, we continue to fall into this thing where if we think, oh, man, I'm hungry for God. I, I, need, to, I, need, to get, I need to take a class on how to rub the lamp better. We need to take a, 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 a lamp rubbing course. You know what I'm talking about? If I can just because if I can rub the lamp better, then then maybe God will show up better. No, stop it. That's the prophets of Baal. No. No, he, he falls, he falls, fire falls on faith. Fire falls on an altar. Fire falls in a place of surrender. Okay, so gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. That's all you can do for a promise, is just wait for it. Just receive it, right? Huh? Which he said, "You have heard from me now, Luke doesn't tell us a lot about the teachings of Jesus about the Spirit. He gives us a little bit in Luke, but John, perhaps in hindsight, he says, Oh listen, if, if, if that's written down, they need to know what he said. So that's what we read in John uh, 12 thirteen to 14. John and then Luke five, I mean Luke five, Acts one five by Luke. Here's the words of Jesus, For John baptized with water but here's a conjunction of comparison but you will be baptized is anybody going to baptize themselves in the holy spirit is anybody going to earn that is anybody going to climb up on the tower of babel and earn your way to heaven absolutely not don't try it you will be baptized with the holy spirit not many days from now so now so first of all John the baptist introduces baptism conceptually as saying, I'm doing this, but he's coming and going to do this, but with a different substance. Now, Jesus himself says, you remember, John, he baptized, he, you were immersed in, in water. Yeah, and they're not, mm-hmm. he said, but you are going to have a similar experience, but with an entirely different substance soon. So did, were they in the upper room totally unaware, totally unexpected, totally uninformed? No, they were expecting that whatever was going to happen, they would know it. Just like they knew about the water. Nobody was like, oh, what just happened? Right? That would be silly. You're going to have a similar experience, but with a different substance. And it's going to be a rite of passage, and you'll never be the same. And then... Just in case we, just for the sake of making sure we get the larger picture theologically, okay? Jesus. (laughs) Easy does it. See, I get irritated when people say that there's a there's a there's they, they they try to differentiate between the word baptism and the word filled, and I get irritated only because I get excited. It's my it's my enthusiasm that 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 fuels my. Because it's just, all we have to do, all we, we can just put away our commentaries or whatever else, all we got to do is just read the Bible, because here's the thing. Verse 5 says, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, baptized. baptized. Then verse 8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Those are the, he's talking, he's still, same experience, same Holy Ghost, but one time he says, baptism, the other time he says, so one time he says baptismo, the next time he says epircomai. <laughs> You're welcome, yeah. Okay, but he's talking about the same experience. But in Luke's fashion, he has about six different words to describe the same experience. And, and, and in case, there's no, there can't be a mistake. It's the same Jesus talking to the same group of fellers in the same setting. So he's not talking about something else. To be baptized, you, when, the, when, you are, when you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, that experience will be, the, that is a time when the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And then he's, and we find out that when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, that, that when he comes upon them, the emphasis is spirit baptism, whoosh, that there's an experience in the Holy Spirit, that he's going to come upon them, it's going to feel like an Eperkomai, like he jumps on them, it's going to be something. And one of the Key expressions or results of that experience will be power to live and do like Jesus did. That's another thing. But that's that word. Luke has used that word power about six or eight times in, the, in his gospel to describe very specific activities that Jesus was doing. Most of the time, it's driving out devils and healing the sick. When that word is used. So there was no guessing what he meant. Power didn't mean Charisma or coolness or a winsome personality—it meant to do the stuff Jesus did. So, you will be baptized. The whole, that's when, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, then they go to the upper room they're in Jerusalem and they're waiting. Right? Okay. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all. Maybe you should get out your pens. Do you see it? They were all what? They were all. T- they were all in one accord. Sure. I see your Bible there. They were all, to, if you, people that don't know anymore, they think that's a car, okay? Uh, they were all together in one place. Here we go. Are you, are, you, are you listening for the antecedent? Can you smell it in the scripture? Wait a minute. I think something's about to happen. They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. Verse 4, and they, these same that were in chapter 1, they, and maybe more, and they were all, everybody say it, filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, that was a new thing. That was a new thing. That's They all said, that's, that's, that the, the indication that, that, that the experience, I don't want to use the word transaction because sometimes it sounds so forensic or so sterile, but the indication that the transaction was completed was not the sound of wind nor the appearance of fire. Those things aren't e- weren't even repeated again in the book of Acts. But the indication that that something had happened, that they had had an experience, was that, that they, they began to express something as a result of it. They there began to come out of them immediately that which would, we would say, I think, most accurately, a prophetic expression. They began to express themselves prophetically, which means to speak under the unction of the spirit. And, and that's what Peter said just a few minutes later. He said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, says God, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and they will prophesy. They will begin to speak by the spirit. The initial expression of this spiritual experience is prophetic Unctions, prophetic utterance. But what we're talking about here is making sure we understand what Jesus meant by baptism. Acts 5, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In other words, in about 10 days from now. It's really clear. Acts 1 to Acts 2, that's not many days later that that day. Baptism experience that he also called the coming upon is also called filled, filled, baptized, come upon, fall upon, poured out upon. All of those are experiences a gathered community has with the person of the Holy Spirit. That is refreshing, empowering, sanctifying, uh, 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 compelling, blessing, joy-giving, unifying, all the things. that. uh, Because everything God has for you, He will do by His Spirit. And that's it. He has no other thing. Don't think, oh, that's too bad. Because no, all God has for you is, is Himself. He's not going to send magic wands and trinkets and dream catchers and special hats. He's got the Holy Ghost for us, and the Holy Spirit has got everything that you will ever need to live and serve Jesus Christ until the day of his appearing. Baptism in water. John the Baptist, we're still on Jesus. John the Baptist said, I do this, someone's coming who's going to do it, but different, right? Jesus said, you remember John? That's going to happen to you. Then Luke tells us that's what happened to them, right? Right? Then we fast forward a little bit, and it's referenced again. The same comparison is referenced again. This time it's Peter who's busted. Peter has gone to the home of a Gentile. Do we know why they weren't supposed to go to homes of Gentiles? Yeah, but there was a reason they were unclean. Jews were not to come into contact with dead bodies. And Gentiles practiced the termination of pregnancies in their homes. And the the likelihood of that remnant in being in the house was too strong. So they couldn't go. It's just politics, right? No, it's not. It's in there a long time. It's in there a long time. It's real stuff. The likelihood of their remains being somewhere in the house was too strong so they wouldn't go. So Jesus, so, so Peter gets invited to Cornelius' house and everybody's upset about it, Right? Right? but Peter gets there and it's Acts 10 and they say and Cornelius says hey I saw this vision I had an angel come to tell you to come and Peter's like yeah I had me send a vision you. no arguing now and he says I can see now that God is not show doesn't show favoritism but everybody who fears him who comes with him with an honest heart he's going to receive him and he says and then he starts telling him, hey, you guys know about Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil. And then he kept going. He kept saying, and then he was crucified by, and then, and then he said, but, but God raised him up. And then God, and now he's seated and God has given him the uh, the, the authority that to judge the living and the dead. Every, everyone's going to face judgment under Jesus, but he's also granted the forgiveness of sin to all who put their faith in his name. And as soon as he gets to forgiveness of sin, as we've mentioned before, kaboom. He, Peter gives a concise explanation of the gospel, and as soon as there appears to be an understanding in the room, the Bible says in Acts chapter 10 that the Holy Spirit then falls on all of them. And if, as Peter, Luke actually says, as Peter is talking, it's like... <laughs> I'm not trying to make a joke here, but it, that, I mean, I, we believe in good teaching. But the, the, can you, we're talking about, there's, this is for everybody, and it's a repeated experience, but Luke wants us to understand that every people group gets to be involved. And every time there's a new people group, we get a new specific story. Now we have Gentiles. We have, the, these are the people that God has been after for, since the beginning. One of the targets of the, of, the, of the Israelite community was supposed to be the nations. They were supposed to be a light to the nations. They were supposed to be God's witness to the nations around them. They were not intended to be an exclusive community. They acted that way, but they were supposed to be a light. So this is God's desire has always been the all of humanity. And now, and now, in this, in this story, not that it couldn't have happened elsewhere, it very well may have. We don't have record. But this is all we have in the, in the in the in the in the in the canonical historical tradition. This is all this is all we know to have happened first, that this is the first time God, the Holy Spirit, gets to move into the Gentiles. And he's so eager, he's not waiting for the altar call. I want us to I want us to believe that remember, this is all a result of promise. This is his idea. It's like holding back water pressure as soon as there's a break, as soon as there's a place where the water per- can break out, here it comes. And so as soon as these Gentiles get the idea that there's forgiveness, they, they, can, they, have, they can have a reconciled relationship, God the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them, and they, like the ones before them, they begin to speak in tongues. And then the Jewish, the guys that are with Peter, they actually say, "We'll say, we'll look at this in a minute. They look at Peter and they say, well, uh, clearly when you can be baptized, but... In, in Acts 11, when Peter is brought before the Jewish, you know, bosses, the, you know, the Jewish Christians who are the kind of the elders, they're they're like, hey, man, what's up with the Gentile house? And, and Peter's explanation was this. He said, as I – he tells them what happened. Then he says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit – this is Acts 11, verses 15 and 16. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning – verse 16 and i remembered the word of the lord how he used to say interesting as if it were said more than once i just have to I, mean, I would have to look at some of the syntax there but if that was meant to be there's a way in the greek to make something sound like someone only said it once if they wanted to say it that way luke's pretty good with the greek so i don't think he's messing around here he used to say sounds like he said it more than once as he used to say John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So we're still on this first idea that that water baptism and spirit baptism are both compared and contrasted. They are by John the Baptist. They are by Jesus. And then even by Jesus' followers after him, as they look back, all theology is a reflection upon experience. So now Peter is theologizing. He's developing, he is developing a Christian bat- theology of baptism by walking through experience and going, well, I guess this is true. Okay? And uh, so he says, hey, this is what Jesus said. That this is what he would do. And this is what they experienced. So then spirit baptism is compared to an actual literal experience. But it is contrasted from that experience because it's a different substance. Similar experience, different substance. They are not the same, but they are both important and they are both expected. Water baptism and spirit baptism are not the same. There are two, really. When we baptize people in water, specifically at Heritage, we expect, we hope, that the Holy Spirit will meet them there. That it is not just an act of getting wet. Or electrified. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Okay. <laughs> I, have, I have no problem believing that people can and will encounter the Holy Spirit in the waters of baptism. I would love to see some absolutely mystical, cool stuff go down. I'm all for it. 100%. Right. Let's see. Let's, let's just get our expectometer cranked. Right. But I don't believe, nor do I believe that Scripture teaches, in any way at all. I think I think we've made it clear tonight that water baptism is spirit baptism. They're not the same. Although the Spirit can meet us there, and I think that'd be great. You, are we tracking? Okay. They're not the same, and and they're. It just. Be, and I guess what I'm saying is, just because you have been baptized in water, you. should I know that I don't you think I would know more because I've been around long enough to know things, but I don't know things. I don't know a lot of things about what other people think. But I think I've heard and read in different traditions, uh, even on websites that what kind of the what we believe thing. I I I'm pretty sure that there are whole swaths of 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 Christendom that I that believe that that in water baptism, that's it. That in the, ba- in, in the waters of baptism, that's where you, that's Holy Spirit baptism, that's the whole thing, There's, that's just this, that's the whole shooting match right there. Well, again, I think that's great. I don't think there needs to be a, some sort of a part A and part two, or, you know, A and three, I don't think we need to wait for things. I think God's eager, so let's just receive, right? But... Spirit baptism and water baptism are not the same in the scripture. they happen at different times, very specifically. Acts chapter eight, you know this story fairly well i 'm sure right? You have Philip going to the, going up to Samaria, preaching revival there, and they have an amazing, amazing breakthrough. You guys are so faithful, even on Sunday night by the door, doorkeepers in the house of God ain't nobody else around there, but I know that with the, but they are perfectly happy being together okay. Okay? They're, with, they're both with their favorite people over there. Okay? Um, <laughs> ain't nobody getting through this door. Uh, 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 nobody leaving until church is over. Um, Peter, Philip preaches this amazing revival in Samaria. And if you read the passage, we, don't, we won't go into it in detail tonight, but it's important that we see what happens there. That he that he that he declares Christ. And people believe what he is teaching and preaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the Messiah. So they're having a a real messianic expectation fulfilled type of this is the this is Jesus, the Christ. These Samaritans are really believing in Jesus as the Christ. Amen. You got to get that. And the one of the reasons that their faith is so ready is that they are watching miracles happen. There are people, the lame are walking and blind are seeing, and demons are coming out of people. There's there's healing and deliverance happening in Samaria. We heard, now that's interesting. So Philip, under the same power that was promised that Jesus, by the same Holy Ghost, is now doing the same kind of stuff Jesus did. That's a point to remember later, but... Uh, so Philip is preaching Christ and demonstrating, doing the same stuff that Christ does. They come to a real faith in Jesus Christ. They see miracles. How many think that's pretty good church? Right. And then and then then they get then Philip baptizes them in water. And even Simon, the sorcerer, is baptized in water. So we have a real faith. And then we have the real follow-up to, conf- the, to, to faith in Christ with a real public confession in real water that meant a real thing. Amen? And everybody goes home and says, well, that's it. Enough said. How many of you think that would be a fantastic week of church? Right? Everybody, a whole, a whole city coming to faith in Jesus, demons leaving people, blind people seeing, lame people walking. And then everybody gets baptized in the water. Then we have a church picnic that probably happened too. Then there's a big picnic and we all go home. Enough said, right? Good enough, right? You could admit it. You would think that's pretty good church. And you would always, oh, good enough for me. Let's go and watch football. Absolutely. But then the apostles come to Samaria because they hear this. Now they're all, this is the, they're just getting warmed up. They haven't got they haven't got upset about ten yet. These are Samaritans, so they're just a little bit confused, even though Jesus said you're supposed to go to these places. So they send the elders send Peter and John again. I. Not to to mess with everybody's theology here, but once again, Peter gets told what to do. So this this whole papal thing, we need to reevaluate. So he gets sent by somebody else who's in charge to go find out what's going on. Peter and John show up, and they see that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, had not yet fallen on them. And so... We read that they lay hands on them and the Holy Spirit falls on them. Now, the story continues that that something happened Luke doesn't pause and t- explain it again because he's already told us and he tell, he'll tell us again. But don't, but just for the sake of argument, he, he's not exactly specific. But whatever happened was so substantial, so phenomenal, so mysterious, so different. It wasn't. Uh, people responding in faith, it wasn't a miracle, it wasn't even exorcism, but something happened when they laid hands on them, and he recognized that the Spirit had come on them, and that was so, sp- so special that he wanted to buy that. Right. So something very powerful happened. But the point is that these people were already baptized in water. And if water baptism was the whole shooting match, if, it all, if it's all in the tank, we don't need nothing else, then there's a serious problem with un- explaining what happened in Acts 8. Furthermore, in Acts chapter 10, then, when, um, oh, and there's Acts chapter 19, but we don't need to talk about that right now. Not later. In Acts chapter, oh, okay, we'll get there. In Acts chapter 10, when we've already talked about Peter at Cornelius's house, and he's talking to them, and he's preaching to them, and remember, the, whole, the God, 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 the Holy Spirit is so excited to move, finally move into Gentile human bodies, to move into their soul, and be, and be just to just be poured out upon them. That as Peter is preaching, the Holy Spirit falls on them. Yes, Amen. Right? We read that. We saw that the Holy Spirit falls on them. Then, <laughs> uh, well, let me just read it. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on, on those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles also. Wait. Wait. Get your pens out. While Peter was still... The Holy Spirit circle the word fell. There's a new one. Uh, and then we have uh, poured out. You should start collecting these words. They're all the same experience. Okay. But they all tell us something about how wonderful the same experience is. The Holy Spirit fell. Well, there's, there's a difference between him falling on you and being poured out upon you. No, 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 no. Stop, 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 stop. Read the Bible. Okay. Fell upon all those who were listening. And they, the, the gift of the Spirit was poured out upon For they were hearing them. They knew that this had happened. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Which we should remember, tongues is a God word language. It's a language of praise and prayer. Then Peter answered, ah. <laughs> Surely, no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit. If they were the same, they wouldn't have done what they did in Acts 8, and they wouldn't have done what they did in Acts 10. They're not the same. They're both important. If they weren't both important, the apostles wouldn't have said, ah, ah, ah we're not quite done yet in Acts 8. Turn it around. Acts 10, they, still said they said the same thing about water. Pretty cool. Listen, we need to listen to that. Acts 10, they said, ha, 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 not done, water. God the Holy Spirit falls upon Gentiles in a magnificent and powerful miraculous way and they blow up in expressing themselves in prophetic spiritual language an absolute phenomenon that was still just just years old if at all upon the human upon the human race this wasn't happening anywhere this was a miracle this is this is the result because Jesus paid for this brand new uh, spiritual uh, climate in the church so powerful so wonderful so amazing this is this has never been heard before this is the problem. This is the result of the promise of the Father. And still, after they, after they were sure they experienced this promise, they said, ah, run the, run the bath. It's still important. Pentecostals need to remember that's still important. I'm just going to talk to my mom. <laughs> okay? That's still important. It means something. You. I mean, heaven can fall on you, and you can light up like a firecracker and hover for all I care. I'm still going to run the bath. All right, right. great. When you're done, there's the water. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) They're both important. And at the same time, I already said it, but I'll say it again. At the same time, you can say, oh, no, I've made a confession. I got, I got dunked down in the water. came up. I got a certificate that says water baptized. I'll say, great, time for the Holy Ghost. You're not done. And after the time for the Holy Ghost, the good part is you only have to do that one time. But the spout of the Spirit, that's just wide open. That's running like a river. All right, wait a bit ba, bye, bye, bye. It appears that normally in the scripture, one of these experiences ideally precedes the other. Ideally. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said, repent, each one of you can be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It happens again, Acts 19, 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Again, that seems to be ideal, that seems to be the way it should happen, but, like we've already seen, the order doesn't appear to be necessary, it's just normal. Regardless, both of these baptisms are presented as important and expected. Both of them are his idea, and to both of them, your response is obedience. So tonight, just the the last illustration that we'll do. Younger, where'd you go? Let's move those chairs out of the way now, at least some of them. Okay. So the last illustration that we'll do tonight is we'll just, we will, we will, we will have a, a couple of folks be baptized in water. Does that make sense? And then we will come back. And we will, in in the same act of obedience, in the same act of surrender, are you with me? What did I say just now? Because it's important. In the same act of surrender, let's all say it again. In the same act of surrender, we will position ourselves. We will make ourselves available to the Lord and just say, Lord, fill me again. Baptize me again. Baptize me again. Let Let the waters of your spirit wash over me. Fill me, refresh me, come upon me, fall upon me, epical, my baptismo play rue the whole shoot and match. Holy Spirit come. Yes. And we we're going to anoint with those who were baptized tonight. We're going to anoint them with oil. So uh, Joel, would you mind grabbing that the box oil? There's a little square thing a jar of oil next to the menorah. Thanks, bro. Bring it over to Jeremy. Uh, we'll anoint them with oil. Then we're going to bring that right back over here. And I'm going to throw that yonder. And uh, as anybody that, is, that comes tonight to line up for prayer, to, to, re- just to receive the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, I, you, whatever language you want, we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon you afresh and new tonight. And we're going to start by just anointing you with oil. And when you are anointed with oil, I want you just to have your expectometer just to say yes, to be, as, to be just as receptive, just as obedient, just as, just as submissive to that just the oil of the Spirit as these are as you watch them. As they are submissive to the waters of baptism. Does that make sense?